Good morning, everyone in Wellspring and those who are listening to us um, on the internet. It's so great to be with you this morning. Of course, today is Palm Sunday and it's the beginning of Holy Week. I always find it fascinating just how quickly things deteriorated from Palm Sunday to Good Friday. People often wonder, does Jesus really understand how we feel? Well, as we enter Holy Week, I want you to consider this. Good Friday was Jesus' lockdown. And he experienced distancing in a shape of severe rejection from everyone, from his closest friends on earth, to those that he came to bring life to, and ultimately the time came where even his own father had to turn his back on Jesus. Yes, this morning I want to say to you, he knows exactly how we feel. In the last month I've been listening to that song, Four Days Late, over and over. Mary and Martha, in this time of lockdown for their brother Lazarus, was wondering, where was Jesus? They had so much confidence that he would be the one that would prevent Lazarus from going into this lockdown. And yet he was four days late. You know what I love so much about that song? is the line where it said, even though he was four days late, he was still on time. Yes, he was still on time to roll away the stone and to call Lazarus to life. James wrote, he is not like a shifting shadow. He's always present in our moment and he's always with us. Just consider the fear for a moment that the disciples had when Jesus was crucified. They were left behind and in fact they were in lockdown, right? Surely their world fell apart in those few days, unexpected tragedy upon them, the uncertainty, the anxiety. And in the midst of that lockdown, once again, he appeared to them. And really, his message to them was, this too will come to an end. But sadly this morning, I want to remind all of us, there will be a final lockdown that will never end. And as we enter this week, may our hearts and our prayer be for those who do not know Jesus as their Savior. The one who came to set us free from that lockdown. Following closely what is busy unfolding in Africa, I can assure you one thing about all of this. One size fits all is not the solution here. But as followers of Jesus, we all know that we can find personal comfort and guidance in Christ, even though all of us have different circumstances, anxieties and challenges. We can take comfort in scriptures like uh, uh, Psalm 91 verse 1 and 2. 
He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You know, words like these that we hardly took serious a few weeks ago are suddenly loaded with promises. David wrote, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overfloweth. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a masterpiece. <laughs> Written by a, a shepherd boy. But you know, if there's one psalm that could be summarized in one line, then certainly it's Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And I want you to know this about God. David called him shepherd. And if you, if you trust somebody, if you put your confidence in somebody, it's because you know something about them. You know their character. You know their principles. You know something about them that's good enough that you actually become vulnerable and trust them to stand in a gap for you. And David knew God like that. David, the man of the own God's heart, he called God shepherd. Why did he call him shepherd? Well, we know in Israel, a shepherd work was considered the lowest of all works. Surely it should have been an insult, right? If a family needed a shepherd, they would take the youngest boy, like David, and give him this unpleasant assignment. Shepherds have to lay their life down 24 hours a day, and the task of caring for them was unending. Day and night, summer and winter, in fair weather and foul, they labored and nourished, guide, protect the sheep, who in his right mind will choose to be a shepherd? Choose to be a shepherd. Yet we know Jesus in John 10 confirmed David's psalm and he himself confirmed that he is indeed a shepherd. The great God of the universe has stooped down just to care for you and me. In John 10 verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. We all know this song so well. The God on the mountain is the God of the valley. <laughs> this is the shepherd we have. He will not abandon you in a storm. He's in the middle of the storm with you. And in fact, in Luke 15, Jesus speaks about the lost sheep. He said, I've got a hundred. If one get lost... 
I wonder how many businessmen will make decisions like that. Stop reduction for one. Jesus said, if one get lost, I will go and find him and bring him home. So we, we know our Father cares. And we know that he brings comfort to us. But friends, it is very important for us, especially in these times, also to understand that he cares very much about our spiritual well-being. This is not always something we enjoy or even tolerate. But he's committed to it nonetheless. And one of the tools that he used to do that is called a plumb line. I want to talk to you about a plumb line this morning. And I must confess to you, this is the first time I ever really understood how God used a plumb line and what it is for. The simplest understanding I could find to describe the plumb line was that it was something that was used to build and very important to evaluate. It's a cord with a, a weight at the end of it and it is used by masons to check if the walls that they are building or build are vertical. And we see several references in the Bible to the plumb line. Builders would consider this as one of the most important tools that they would have. Because a wall must be built straight. If not, it will not last long. Walls are important. They've been keeping people safe from the weather, thieves, opposing military forces for thousands of years. And to work, they must be built right. That's why we use a plumb line. Many buildings in the ancient times were actually built without foundations. Carol and I stay in a home quite often in the United Kingdom that's older than 400 years. And the house was built without a foundation. So, so we know that many of these houses were, or buildings were built without foundations. And then the, the, the role of the plumb line by the builder is to come and to evaluate those walls, to look if they are still vertical, if they are still strong. And sometimes, after evaluation, deliberate destruction of some of the walls that had gone too far from the vertical would take place. So, after the builder used the plumb line, he might decide to actually break the wall down. According to 2 Kings 21 verse 13, we read how this plumb line was used in Samaria. And actually how it led to their destruction. And then the prophet continued further and he spoke. And he said, Jerusalem, the same plumb line is waiting for you. It's coming to measure your walls. In Isaiah 28 verse 17, we read this. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. Justice and, and righteousness will be the measuring line and the plumb line by which Jerusalem will be tested. What does this plumb line represent? Well, it's God's standard. It's His word. It's His commands. It's His desire for His people. 
I know, as I thought through this, I thought, God, like Paul said, what a rich man am I. How will we survive this? How will our walls stay vertical? How will we ever stand against that test? You know, I didn't know all these verses were in the same chapter, but I read in Isaiah 28 verse 16, I read this. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. Yes, centuries, as far as I understand, about 800 years before Jesus was born, it was prophesied that the cornerstone who can keep the walls vertical and strong will come and be available. That rock, that rock of ages where we can build upon, that will keep our Walls vertical. It is so crucial for us to understand this morning. The end goal of using the plumb line is not destruction. The end goal of using the plumb line is always to rebuild the wall. You know, as I thought through it, I thought about salvation. As we as we enter into salvation, as that, that moment of grace takes place in our lives, isn't the first thing that happens that the old walls are broken down? And how refreshing was that? You know, I think sometimes we, we go into a spiritual lukewarmness where we just put wallpaper upon our skew walls and we get distraction from it. Other people say, ah, your wall isn't that bad and the plumb line will understand it. There's a good reason why your wall is so skew and we will lure each other into skew walls. And yet we all know the freedom we experienced when the old walls were Destroyed and broken down. Repentance. How often do we go to deep repentance? Friends, repentance is when the plumb line is used and skill walls are found wanted. In Zechariah, it will be great for you to read there, 1 and 4, we read about Zerubbabel who is using the plumb line to carry out his God-given task to rebuild the temple after it's been destroyed because the walls were skewed. In Zechariah 1 verse 6 we read this comforting words. Therefore, this is what the Lord say, I will return to Jerusalem with mercy and there my house will be rebuilt. Our Father who cares about the bride of His Son, He will that's his commitment. He will ensure that the walls of that house, called the church, is vertical and strong. And if not, according to the plumb line, he will break them down and lovingly rebuild them. It is an act of love. It doesn't matter how counterculture this sounds to you and me. It doesn't matter how there's something in us resisting it. Remember we read Psalm 23 and we love Psalm 23? What did it say? Your rod and your staff will what? Will comfort me. 
What is the rod used for? Friends, let us not miss this moment. Let us use this moment we find ourselves in to measure the skill walls. If he leaves those skill walls in us, sudden destruction will come and the cost will be great. You know, in, uh, in Mozambique, we had the cyclone early last year. Um, and Matsino, the one village where we work in, was totally, totally destroyed. I mean, destroyed. I got there within 24 hours. I walked on the ground with Busi, one of our African leaders. People were sleeping in the rain under trees. Their houses were completely and utterly destroyed. What good could come out of that? All of us wondered. Well, I don't have much time to tell you tonight. Maybe there's another time to tell you. But I want to tell you, there was such a massive response from the house of God worldwide. There was such a response from the local community in Matsino towards the grandmothers and orphans. We have rebuilt, I think it was over 90 houses now. We have rebuilt every single one of those houses that burned down, uh, that were destroyed by the cyclone. But here's the difference. Those houses, those walls were skew. They were built only with mud and mud bricks. They could not handle the storm. When the storm came, they were totally destroyed. We went back and we rebuilt their homes with burnt bricks, bricks that were burnt in a fire. We put cement between the brick layers. I tell you, the pain and hurt in Matsino after a cyclone. But we are stronger and we are more prepared for the next storm than we've ever been before. God uses people like he used us, you and us. I know Wellspring was tremendously generous towards that. He used us to rebuild the walls in Matsino. And so that's why God is also using us. His people to rebuild the walls in the church and in the places where we live. So God used Nehemiah to rebuild the walls in, in Jerusalem. Our Father is in control. Many, many of our walls have been found wanted in this time. It's time for us to point it out, to look at those walls and to say, let's rebuild them. Let's make them stronger to withstand the storm. And let's make sure that we build them on that cornerstone that was promised to us centuries ago. Nehemiah was just a normal person, right? His name, by the way, means Yahweh comforts. And that's all he did. Nehemiah lived in Susu when he heard the news. Esther, a generation before that, was in the same place, and she responded. Jo Joseph in Egypt responded. Daniel in Babylon responded. The names can go on and on and on. All of us know so many people that responded in these times. God always used lay ordinary people, or absolutely most often use lay ordinary people. When Nehemiah heard about the walls that was broken down in Jerusalem, he heard about the people that were vulnerable. Yeah, 
he left his own place of safety and he walked into the broken world. In Jeremiah 2 verse 17 18 we read this. Then I said to them, he spoke now to the people in Jerusalem whose walls were devastated. He walked in there. It was not his place. He went there. And this is what he said to them. You see the trouble we are in. He doesn't say trouble you are in. He says the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. And the gates have been burnt with fire. Come now, let's rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And we will no longer be in disgrace. As I told them about the gracious hand of God upon me and what the king has said to me, they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began the good work. You know, they took 52 days to rebuild that whole wall. It was unbelievable. And all Nehemiah did, he told everybody to build in front of their houses. He challenged the rich people. He said, do you not dare to abuse the poor people and the vulnerable people in this time? He was strong. He encouraged people. In the last week in Africa, I've heard the most incredible stories. I've heard stories of children going to look for other children they haven't seen for weeks. You know, in some of our countries, the soldiers are walking around beating up people when they find them outside. We've got care workers that go out in the night to go and visit old grandmothers and children who they know will not survive if they don't go. Friends, you and I live in a time where there's an incredible response from many, many people because their walls are vertically strong. How's your walls? When last did you use the plumb line on your walls? Do you trust your father enough that he can break some of those walls down? Now is a better time than ever. As we are in a time where we are shaking so much, let's take courage out of this. After the walls in Jerusalem was rebuilt, revival broke out. Revival came into Jerusalem. Go and read in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah just the incredible things God did after they've rebuilt the walls. You know that beautiful song? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. It's something you and I can rely on this morning. As we allow these walls to be inspected, the plumb line to be seen in our lives, trust Him. Firstly, secondly, are you available? Like Nehemiah, like Esther, like Gideon, like David, like Joseph like Jesus, like Peter, like Mary, for a time such as this. Will you say, 
let us start building. And may we rebuild the walls. And may revival break out as we do that. In Jesus' name.